triple threat, getting unstuck. And uh, we um, have been looking over the last several weeks in 2 Corinthians, the last chapter. So if you want to turn there with me, you can uh, in your Bible. And uh, I want to, um, 2 Corinthians 13 and uh, verse 14. And uh, I want to talk about the triple threat, the last part of the triple threat. And we shared a, a couple of weeks ago about the triple threat in basketball. Uh, many of you know that I played through college and that uh, one of the fundamental things they teach you is that uh, you get in a position uh, that you can pass, you can dribble, or you can shoot. And uh, that's called the triple threat. Well, I believe God has a triple threat as well. And uh, for you and I that we can operate in. I heard in the spirit this morning, I, I just want to, I hope uh, you'll take this in the right attitude. But uh, God really spoke to me that the sleeping giant is awakening. And uh, the sleeping giant is awakening. The church is waking up. And uh, they're getting, the church is getting tired of all the nonsense, all of the restrictions, all of the craziness that our world's trying to put on it. And the church is waking up. Look, let me just tell you, and I, I won't get, I'm not trying to get uh, political at all, okay, because I'm not. Uh, if you know me, I don't do that from the pulpit. And I, I will on issues, but I will not get political about parties. Here's the thing. We as the church, the body of Jesus Christ, have authority in the earth. We can't ever forget that. We are not the Elks Club. We're not the Moose Lodge. We're not the JCs or the Lions Club. Nothing wrong with any, I'm not criticizing any of those things. We are the church of Jesus Christ on this. We're the body of Christ in this earth. The authority of Christ is invested and vested into his church, his believers. If we go silent and if we go dark and if we go quiet and if we go away, I'm telling you right now, darkness, that's exactly what darkness wants to have happen. And God has given us authority in this earth. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, you know, we're all talk about how that, you know, so fearful of COVID and all the different stuff that people deal with. Just remember this. Jesus and his disciples laid hands on lepers. Lepers were contagious people. If you touched a leper, you knew you were going to get leprosy. But they did not live in fear of leprosy. What they did is went out and healed the sick and prayed for the sick. Let's make sure we're not running from stuff. Amen. Look, I told you to be confidently cautious. I'm not telling you to be stupid. But I'm telling you this. If somebody needs prayer and they ask for prayer and they got COVID-19, don't tell them, well, we're under restriction. Baloney, you're not under restriction. You're the body of Jesus Christ, and you need to go put your hands on them and pray over them that they'll be healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're fearful and you're afraid to do it, then call me because I'm not. Okay? Because I'd rather don't go fearful. Okay. Moving right along. Oh, look, I, you know, like I said, I, the church of Jesus Christ is waking up. We're like, you know, we're in so many ways. We, we look just like, you remember the story uh, in the, uh, when we were kids about Gulliver. Remember Gulliver got around the Lilliputians? Anybody remember this story? 
What did they do? They tied him down. He's laying there with all tied down to the ground. But he woke up. You, we got to realize that all these little Lilliputians that are out there trying to keep the church bound up, these little demonic things that are going on, we need to rise above it. Amen. Amen. In love, I'm not talking about being mean and nasty. I'm saying rise above it in the love of Jesus Christ. Because if any time the world needs to see the light and love of Christ is right now. Is right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. That was really good. I probably ticked off a bunch of people, but that's okay. Nobody mad, nobody glad. We didn't have much of a meeting, so. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. So we talked about over the last several weeks, we've talked about how the, the, the love of the Father, the love of God, that we have been given God's love unconditionally. I mean, that's the beauty of God, that this unconditional great love that he has for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just if you missed any of these messages, be sure to get online or, uh, you know, get a hold of them and listen to them because they'll help you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that ability of God to help us to do the truth, that, that ability of Christ that is given to you and I, his grace that is at work for our lives. And this last one, the communion of the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, when we talk about the word communion, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we tend to, what Sharon was talking about earlier, we, we, we kind of relate it back to, you know, the bread and the cup and thinking of communion in the Last Supper. But the word communion is a Greek word, koinonia, is where we get our word for it. And what it really means when you take it down is it means, now listen to this, it means mutual participation. It means that which is in common, people bringing together what is common, Okay. So what happens when we have real fellow, and it's defined as fellowship in some places, communion, fellowship, when there is real communion and fellowship happening, it's not just one-sided. It's not just one-sided. You know, it's like, uh, I'm wound today, so you'll just have to endure this. But look, if you're watching online and you're not singing the songs with us, you're not fellowshipping with us. And the same is true here. Because we are not doing it in common. You're doing your thing, we're doing our thing. You might be watching us do our thing, and you might be doing your own thing, but we're not fellowshipping. Imagine you having a conversation with me, and I'm, I'm doing something else and not paying attention to you while you're talking to me. We're not fellowshipping. And I know I felt it in the spirit today. See, what happens is with the whole online experience, and I, look, if that's what we need, that's what we need. But I, let me tell you that if we just sit there and watch what other people are doing, we're not in communion with that. You might as well be watching MTV. Or a country music channel or whatever, you know, because you're not participating, you're just watching. So, well, Pastor, that really ticks me off. Well, there's a good reason. Because it's true. 
Because communion and fellowship happens because we are bringing in common what we have. We are not just letting it be one-sided. It's not one-sided. So when I watch online, I want to sing with the songs that are being sung. So, well, I can't see the words. Yeah, you can. They were right up here on the screen. So we could sing, and most everybody knows I exalt thee and could have sang that today. Amen. Say, well, I did, Pastor. Well, good job. I'm proud of you. But if you didn't, it's time to change the way that you're watching the service. Because this is not something that you get to watch. This is communion. Folks, can I just tell you, this doesn't get any better this morning, so. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, I got your attention at least. <laughs> yeah, we're in communion right now, you're hearing what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but doing the dishes while you're watching a worship service is not worship, okay? Or cooking a meal or doing something else, it's participating, it's communion with one another. Praise the Lord. So, I said all that to say this. Communion with the Holy Spirit is not just the Holy Spirit talking to you or you talking to the Holy Spirit. Communion with the Holy Spirit is you coming into commonality with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill every aspect of your life, to be in fellowship with you. Okay? So when we talk about how that we can have communion with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about living in a relationship right? A relationship with the Holy Spirit that is not one-sided. It's not one-sided. God wants to speak to us through the Spirit. God wants us to speak to Him through the Spirit. So there is a communion that takes place, a dialogue that is happening in a dia too. There is a dialogue that's taking place, or it's not koinonia. Now the real power is, is that when two people are in common, Okay, in agreement and in common, in communion with each other. Jesus talked about this when he said, where there are two or three agreed together, right? There I am in their midst. First John, I quoted that earlier. First John says that when we fellowship with one another, if we're really fellowshipping, that here's what's happening. That Christ is dwelling in our midst. Whether we're here or we're online, it doesn't, he's still in our midst because we're in fellowship with what's happening in a commonality of it. Can I get a good amen? Okay. So, when we talk about being in communion with the Holy Spirit, we have to realize that, you know, that the Holy Spirit was so actively involved in the lives of believers in your Bible that there was always in, there was interaction constantly going on between the Holy Spirit and the believer, that, they, that it wasn't just the, the believer was just doing the right things and kind of just living off the words of Jesus. There was an active participation and a communion that was taking place, and that's exactly what Paul is talking about here to the Corinthian church. You and I should live in an active, dynamic relationship, communion with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis in our lives. That we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to work in our lives. If you, um, Romans 8, you can write these down if you want to. As many, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So what he's saying is, look, the Spirit is bearing witness. The Spirit is speaking to us. I know sometimes as Pentecostals, you know, because we are a Pentecostal charismatic church, that, that we tend to think of things of the Spirit like they're raising our hands or we're speaking in tongues or that there's a gift of the Holy Spirit in operation. But the truth is, if you read the Scripture, even though that is all part of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, there was far more interaction going on with the Holy Spirit than just people speaking in tongues. Or being used in a gift of tongues and interpretation or a prophecy. There was way more interaction going on between the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, when you watch how that they were led and they were guided. And so this says, look, if you're sons and daughters of God, if you're children of God, then you're led by that spirit. That spirit is at work in your life. And even though it's supernatural, now listen to me, even though it is supernatural and to the natural man, it may seem very strange and weird, your supernatural should be natural to you. <laughs> it should be natural to you. So as we read the scripture, like let's look at Acts 16, if you have your Bible there. Acts 16 and verse 6. And in Acts 16 and verse 6, you, you notice that, you know, Paul is trying to go take the gospel. He's trying to get the, to, to, to get to people. And in verse 6, it says, And when we had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So what happened? The Holy Spirit stepped in and said, no. Does God say no? Yeah, he says no. He said, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't leave there. I've had times uh, where the Holy Spirit, Sharon and I were in a service one time and we were getting ready to leave and the Holy Spirit said, don't leave. We both heard it, didn't we? Both heard the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like we heard like this audible voice out here, but there was this thing on the this impression that we weren't. It would have been we would have been doing something wrong if we had left. And we decided. He said, "I just want you to stand back and watch me work." I said, "Okay." And so we did. We stood in the back of the church and we watched the Holy Spirit do something so powerful. He rescued people in that particular service. It was absolutely powerful. He forbade us to leave. He said, stick around. Something great's about to happen. See, the Holy Spirit, he forbade them. And if you look on just a little bit further, it said, look, he said not only did he forbid them to preach the, the, the word in Asia after we'd come up to Mysia, we tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit us. See, this is the Holy Spirit because... He had a place he wanted them to go. They were just trying to obey the Great Commission and go. But he had some place he wanted them to go. So there's two thoughts here with this. One is, look, don't just sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. Get busy and he'll guide you. It's easier to guide a moving car than it is a parked car. So they're busy and the Spirit said, don't go. And they didn't argue with God about it. They just said, okay, you don't want us to go there. There must be a reason you don't want us to go. You're God, we're not. Okay, we'll go where you want us to go. So the Spirit can forbid you. Look, if the Spirit forbids you to do something, then you should listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying about that. Amen? 
He'll keep you out of trouble. He'll keep you out of trouble. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. Acts 20, 22. Paul said, And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. It's interesting. He says, I go bound in the Spirit. This is a really interesting word, because in the Greek language, what it means, this word bound, it means to be wrapped up in. He says, I'm basically, I'm wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. Something's wrapped, not to stop me, but to keep me doing something. A, a ministry that we know about, uh, this pastor was in the airport, and he, he's very famous, very well known, and he was getting ready to, waiting on his flight, and while he was in this in the airport, sitting in one of the chairs, working on his computer, trying to mind his own business, this woman kept staring at him from across the, the room. And, and uh, so he looked up at her and said, hello. And she said, uh, aren't you so-and-so? And he said, yes, I am. And she said, oh, I'm very familiar with your ministry. And he said, that's really great. And, but then he just tried to, like, box her out, you know, just tried to ignore her, okay? So... Because uh, he was just like, you know, I don't want to, it's weird anyways, and I don't want to be talking to this woman in the airport. So, but he put his face down into his computer, and when he did, he, he felt something grab hold of him. And he, he looked over at this woman again, and tears are running down her face. Now, this is really powerful. And he looks, at, he looks over her and he says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have cut you off. Are you doing okay? And she said, well, actually, no, I'm not. She said, I'm a salesperson and I'm out on the road and, and I've really made a terrible, I have really, I've destroyed my life. I, he said, well, how's that? She said, um, well, I got drunk last night. I slept with another man, had sex with another man. I don't know how I'm going to tell my husband. I, I know I, it's, I, I don't want to lose my family, I don't want, but I've totally blown my whole life. And he's sitting there in the airport, and he's like, okay, here's what we need to do. He gets on his phone, calls one of his counselors, one of the women at the church, puts her on the phone with this woman. They set up an appointment, and, he begins to, and she begins to pray with him, pray with her over the phone, and they make this connection, okay? That's the first part of the story. So he gets home. Of course, this woman's all set up to go to this appointment on Saturday. Um, and uh, so, and uh, so he's, he, 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 he has to take his daughter to ballet class, this pastor does. So he's taking his daughter to ballet class. And of course, you know, that's about an hour. So he didn't want to stick around. So he thinks, well, I'll just go over to Walmart and hang out. So he goes over to Walmart and he's kind of walking around in the aisles. And while he's walking up and down the aisles, you know, he's, he's looking at stuff. He's not going to buy anything. He's just killing time. Well, this guy looks at him that's standing in the aisle. And he's got that, hey, I know who you are look. And so he says to him, he, he, he says, hello. And the guy says, he says, I know who you are. You're, you know, you're so-and-so and, and uh, it's an honor to meet you. And, and uh, what are you doing in Walmart? And he says, well, my daughter's in ballet class. He says, well, what are you doing in Walmart? 
He said, well, he said, my, my whole life has fallen apart. My wife is sitting with a counselor right now. She cheated on me this last week. And she said, and, and our marriage has fallen apart. And I don't know what to do. And I'm devastated. And he starts crying in the aisle right there in Walmart. He says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what, what, where are we going with this. And, you know, should I even give her a second chance? And he says to the guy, he says, I know who your wife is. I was the one that met her in the airport in the, and connected her with the counselor that she's with right now. Now look, that's how the Holy Spirit works. You say, well, could he tell me all that ahead of time? No. Just do your part. To be, to be Bound, hupomeno, it means to be wrapped up in the spirit. Something got a, something else is going on. You know something else is going on here. This is not just somebody telling you about their ailment. This is there, there's something in you that's prompting you. Might be a good word for this, that's just pushing you to say, love them, help them, pray for them, talk to them, listen to them. You have a part to play in this. So he looks at this guy. And he says, let me tell you a story. I met this woman in the airport. I connected her with this woman. They're from here in the same town. It must be your wife I'm talking about. He said, that is my wife. He said, now listen, if God could set me up with her in an airport in another state so that we could get her to a counselor, don't you think God wants you here set up in this place so that I could meet you here? How, what are the chances of that ever happening? He said, it's the Holy Spirit has brought me to you to tell you that, listen, don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your God. Don't give up on your wife because he cares about you and he cares about your marriage and he's going to help you get this thing fixed. That pastor got to be part of their marriage renewal vows. What a powerful story. See, the Spirit was so involved with the church that they were bound by the Spirit. They, the Spirit came on them, and they were bound. They were hupomeno. It was, they were wrapped up, something wrapped around them, and they knew this is, some, this is not normal. This is not natural, what's happening right now. We call them those those supernatural moments, you know, those, what, what, uh, if you ever study on the, the word time in the Bible, there's what's called chronos time, which is the, the ticking of the seconds, the days, the hours, you know, and then there's what's called kairos time. When you see the word kairos in the, in the, in the Bible, in the, in, in the New Testament, here's what it means. It means divine intervention. Listen, friend, God isn't coming down to help someone. God's sending you to someone to help them. You're somebody. It, look, you're somebody's Kairos moment. And what's really crazy about it, it usually doesn't happen at church. It happens at the store. It happens at work. It happens at a restaurant. And you know something else is going on here. This is not just normal. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.29. Y'all doing all right? I forgot to set my timer, so thanks. Watch this. This, this is so awesome. <laughs> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good 
for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Then he goes on in verse 30 and says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What is he saying here? He's saying, look, come on, folks. Don't say stuff about other people. Don't corrupt. Don't be corrupt about. Don't, you know, don't say nasty stuff. What you're doing is when you do that is you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of bitterness. He says, let all the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and the clamor and the evil speaking be put away from you. You know, I've been in conversations before and they turned. You know what I mean by turn, don't you? They turned the wrong way. They started going down fast. And something felt wrong. It was something, someone right. So, and even though it may have been true, something changed. You know, something was going on. He, there was something spiritually. See, if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, then we know when the Holy Spirit is grieved. Now, if all we do is go around blabbing every bit of gossip about everybody that we can and anything we feel like saying, then look, we're totally, we've grieved the Holy Spirit so long ago, we've lost contact. What does grieve mean? Grieve means you've been to funerals. What happens at funerals? People grieve. Why? Because they're sad, because they're looking at something they feel they can't do anything about. Here's the deal. We're called to walk in love. When we go blabbing our mouths about other people and saying nasty stuff about people, saved or unsaved, all we're doing is grieving the Holy Spirit. We're not helping us. Why do people tell gossip about other people? The juiciest of tidbits about, you know, did you know? Did you know about this one? Did you know their marriage was in trouble? Did you? Look, the only people people you need to tell stuff to are people that are part of the solution, period. 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 If they're part of the solution to fix the problem, then yes, then they're someone that you should talk with about it. But if they're not part of the problem, then they are, they're exterior to the situation. And all we're doing is passing gossip. We're just passing. I told you it didn't get any better. I, 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 I forewarned. No, what we have to do is that, look, we're to let our words be seasoned with love and, and with kindness about people. Not critical and nasty and saying cruel things. I mean, it grieves. Not only does it grieve the, 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 the human spirit, but it grieves the very Holy Spirit. What's happening is the Holy Spirit has to take a step back. He doesn't leave us. He just has to take a step back because we're building our own domain. We're building our own domain. So unless you intend to be part of the solution for a situation, stop talking about the situation. Glory to God. Well, Pastor, I don't know. You know, that's pretty tough preaching. Yeah, it is. But do you want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Because you can. Because you can. What we want to make sure is is that we are being the light and the love of this world and that wherever we're going, that we're bringing light and love to people and that our words are seasoned with kindness towards people and the way that we talk about people instead of, you know, well, did you know? Well, did you hear? Well, what will we talk about if we don't talk about that? (laughs) 
Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. Maybe I better get my other sermon out. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> verse 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Verse 16. This is tough. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for that's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he hits it in verse 19. And don't quench the Spirit. Don't put, and what that means is don't put the fires out, okay? Don't put the fire of the Holy Spirit out. Don't be afraid. Don't put it, put it out by how do we quench the Spirit? He tells you in all that litany of things he said before. Be kind. Treat people respectfully. Just, you know, be loving. Give thanks in all things. Not for all things, in all things. That whatever situation you find yourself in, be thankful that you're there, that you can be a part of it, that God's got a purpose for your life that's greater than what you're going through right now. Amen. Who do we quench the Spirit for? We quench it in our own lives. Look, I'm determined to be a fired up believer till, I'm, till they close the casket door. And then I might still get crazy. I want to be fired up, folks. I want to be on fire for God. I mean, meaning that my heart blazes with the flame of Christ for, this, for, for who God is, to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and, and all that I have, and then to love my neighbor as I love myself, to turn that love out into this world to other people. He says, look, don't quench. Don't allow that spirit to get quenched, to, to put it out. You've probably met people before, and don't call out names, please, because you'll do exactly what I'm saying, but they're like wet blankets. You know, you get fired up. And the enemy's got them everywhere, and some of them are good, godly people, and they just listen. I remember when I first learned about, in fact, I'll tell you the truth, is everything, every revelation that I've received from the Scripture about God, there's been a wet blanket on its way to try to put that out. I mean, it's, the, the timing is, is, is impeccable. It, I get saved. I run into people that tell me about how that, that's, you don't have to do all of that. That's bondage and blah, blah, blah. And then I get baptized and the Holy Spirit starts speaking in tongues. And I have run into people who tell me, you've got to be careful of that bunch. They're, they're crazy. You know, they're wild. They're, they're going to do crazy stuff. They're, they're going to... You'll be known as a fanatic, right? Okay, so, I mean, I never saw any of those people before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They only showed up after I started speaking in tongues. And then, and some of them were family. Can I get a better amen? Oh, man, your family, they'll help you out big time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, then I learned about healing. 
Oh, man, I had people making fun of me, friends that were like, oh, you think you're Ernest Angley now, right? Or you're, oh, you must be Oral Roberts. You know, they want to they take all these scenarios and try to throw you in with all these other people and, you know, and try to make fun of you and to belittle you. That's the devil. That's not God. That's the enemy working. Exaggerating the situation to try to bring you into bondage. Oh, you believe in prosperity? You must be one of those name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. And, and you, you just all the, you know, that you, you're just all about the wealth and all about the money. And, and, and what does that do? All that does is try to quench the spirit. I didn't talk about this earlier. I could have, I, I'll have to do it in another message. But, you know, Paul, that the, when he got that, when he was bound in the spirit to go where he was going, you know that he immediately, the next verse, had resistance. Any place you want to go for God, you will meet resistance. The enemy does not give up territory lightly. You're going to have to push through. You're going to have to fight through it. You're going to have to break, not only in here, but you're going to have to break through it out of here too. Because every step you want to take, you're taking something from, from your adversary who is, who's held claim to it a long time. And so when you take those stands... It creates all kinds of resistance. Paul said, you know, he begins to talk about how that right away he's bound in the spirit to go. People start showing up saying, don't do that. You'll die down there. You'll die. You'll die. If you go, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to die. They'll kill you down. I'm telling you, don't, 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 don't. Some of you have met some of their relatives. Oh, man, you know, I almost put this on Facebook the other day quote, because I've dealt with this quote. If you make us wear masks at church, we will not come. If we, have, if we don't wear masks at church, we will not come. Welcome to pastoring in the 2020. I'm out, look, wear a mask. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask? Don't wear a mask. But here's the thing. Man, I'm telling you, I got it coming from every which direction. You know who I got to listen to? None of it. None of it. Nobody. Well, you, you know, there's counsel and multitude of advice. You know, get a bunch of advisors and there's safety in that. Yes, there is. I believe absolutely in that in accountability. I have people I'm accountable to. But a committee built the camel, folks. Come on, listen, let's pay, <laughs> let's pay attention here. We got to... You know, we let everybody bring all their input in. I got pastor friends that are so, they're so bound up right now. They want to open their doors and they can't do it because they got boards throwing fits about it and telling them that we will close this place down if you do anything. I mean, it's, anyways. Acts 4. Acts chapter 4. We're almost done. Acts 4.27. Watch this. This is so cool. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, the church says, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and that you would stretch out your hands, Lord God. Stretch out your hand to heal. And this is... This is, look, this is what we should be doing right here. The threats 
and coming back and saying with all that we would speak the word with boldness and yet God you'll stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spake the word they spoke the word of God with boldness. If you look up just a little bit before that, he talks about, look, you always, he talks about these folks, he's saying, look, you're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to do his work and you're resisting it. You're resisting it. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me this morning, like I said, I don't want to get too far off on this, but he said, my people are too concerned about what if what if instead of what is? I do this, but what if? You know, it's kind of like the whole. It's I've seen it happen in church before. We this uh, you know about prophecy. People have a prophecy. We had uh, this this pastor had told this woman in his church, and this is a true story. She went to our church till we asked her to leave. And so she's at this other church. And she says, I have a word. And the pastor let her get up and give the word. And this is what she said. The Holy Spirit will begin to flow through here like rice pudding. Have you ever had rice pudding? Uh, There's no flow to rice pudding. And I said to the pastor, I said, this is a big church. I'm I'm talking big big church. I said, well, what did you do? Did you stop her? He goes, no, because what if it's God? I said, brother, let me give you a word. It's not God. See, but we do that. We get this what if, what if, what, well, what if that was? What if, you know, uh, somebody comes up to you today and says, oh, if you go out in the parking lot, you're going to get hit by a car and die. Well, pastor, I don't know if I can go out there because, well, what if it, what if it's true? What if it's true? Well, here, here's my thing. One, God would have told you about it before he'd have told them about it. So always remember that. God leads you by the Spirit, not by other people. So if he didn't tell you, don't worry about it. All right? Two, My Bible says that his angels are round about me, protecting me everywhere I go. I'm not going to live in fear that I might get run over in the parking lot. Now I'm not going to go out there and be totally stupid and dance around in front of cars and walk out on M46. And I'm not doing that. I'm confidently cautious. But I'm not fearful. I'm not afraid. Amen. This is really good. I'm having a good time. I don't know about you guys. You're like, I don't know. Oh, man, don't resist the work of the Spirit. Last one, John 16, 7. John 16, 7. Work of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus told us that, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. And this is really important. The sin that Jesus, can, the Holy Spirit, convicts people of that are not followers of Christ is that they're not a follower of Christ. You know, the church spent a long time 
you know, preaching about nipping, sipping, and dipping. I mean, that was their whole, you guys know what nipping is, right? Okay. So it was all about, you know, that you've been doing this, you do this wrong, you're this, that, and the other thing, and point out all these sins, and which, look, there are, they, there are sins that people should, you know, we should not be committing, but I'm saying that the sin that the Holy Spirit convicts people of is not knowing Jesus, not having a relationship with Christ. That's right there in your Bible. Hope you're looking at it. It's right in your Bible. Convict of not because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Which means that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all wisdom and righteousness and, and, and be in communion with us. And then verse 11, and of judgment, he convicts of judgment because the world, the ruler of this world is judged. Now, stay with me. Online, stay with me. I want you to hear this. The ruler of this world is judged. Now, when I use the word conviction, we immediately jump into religious mode and think about conviction, you know, means come to the altar, cry your heart out, feel better, get up and leave. The word convicted here means convinced, okay? Convinced. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He convinces people that they don't believe in Jesus. That makes sense, doesn't it? He convinces them. They, they may think they know something about Jesus. Lots of folks know stuff about Jesus. But he convinces, that's the whole, I can't convince them. The Holy Spirit has to convince them. All I need to do is make sure that I'm presenting the Jesus of the Bible. Not another Jesus, the Bible Jesus, okay? He convinces the believer of righteousness. That there's a better life for you in righteousness. That that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we could be the righteousness of God, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. That, that there is a life of righteousness, that the Bible tells us that he would make us reign in life as kings through his righteousness, the righteous work of his spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit's working to, you're a believer, that's what he's working to convince you of. And then that last one, this is one that really ticks me off. And to convince the, let's read it. Come on, I want you to read it with me. Look at that last one. And to convince of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Are we, as a body of Christ, convincing enough that the, world, the ruler of this world, which is talking about the prince of of this world, the evil, darkness. Are we, as God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, amazing grace, are we convincing our communities and our world that the ruler of this world is judged? Now, what's the judgment? That, what is that judged, okay? Judge defeated. Judge defeated. Are we convincing the world the devil has lost? That the prince of this world has no power over us. 
that we don't wake up every morning afraid. We wake up every morning and the prince of this world's going, oh no, they woke up again. <laughs> Big difference. I have a great concern about this particular part of this because this is the work of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be flowing through the church. This isn't just about us having a personal relationship with Christ. This is not just about us living a good, holy, clean Christian life and living in success. This is about you and I going into this world and being world changers. World changers. Well, I'll get persecuted. Oh, you don't think that's been a part of what we've been doing as believers for 2,000 years? He who stands for nothing does not stand at all. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit. And I'm not just talking about amazing grace. I'm talking about the church as a whole. It's time for God's people to take the triple threat and say, look, God the Father loves me. Nothing's ever going to change that. I'm, I am so loved by the Father. The grace of Christ has been given for my life. I've got God's grace. How can I, how can I lose? If, if, if I even sin, I have an advocate with the Father. Oh, oh man, sin can't hold me back because I have an advocate. All I've got to do is confess my sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Oh, that's awesome, man. I got the triple threat, the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin said years ago, and I thought it was an interesting quote, that most people wouldn't even know the Holy Spirit if he walked in the church with a red hat. I hope we're not one of those. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be in divine communion with you every day, of every hour, of every second, of every minute of your life, guiding, leading you, convincing you, and taking you to places you normally wouldn't go to be a world changer, to say things you normally wouldn't say to be a world changer. Hallelujah. You know, a couple weeks ago, Kara got up and gave a prophetic word from the scripture. So It was so perfect. It was so right on. But see, unless you, and most of you, a lot of you don't know Kara, but do you know, here's this little girl raised in the Free Methodist Church, pastor's daughter, hardly ever speaks up, hardly ever says a word, and the Holy Spirit came on her. Now, some of you, the Holy Spirit's on you all the time because you talk all the time. You got something to say, okay? <laughs> But I learned a long time ago, when somebody doesn't say a whole lot and they say something, you probably ought to listen to what they're saying. Amen? <laughs> I mean, I'm one of those people that blabs on and on and on. You know that. But, man, when they say, when she got up, I knew she's shaking, her hands are shaking. But, see, that's what the Holy Spirit. And on that day, let me tell you something. 
That, that darkness of this world, that prince of evil, that, that Satan, that accuser, he lost power over her life because she took a step when she wasn't even comfortable to do it. She, it was so hard for her to do it. And she just, I said, well, just stand here. And she just stood there and I watched her little hands shaking, you know, just because she's going to get up and do this and she wants to obey God and she don't know when it's going to happen and she don't know if she's got all the right things to say. And then she took that, the time came and the door opened and man, it was the Holy Spirit communing with us saying, listen, listen to what I have to say to you. And if we heard it, but it was great for us, but I'm going to tell you, it was far better for her than it'll ever be for you because she stepped out that day and she proved to the enemy, you will not keep me bound up in my chair all my life. Hallelujah. I'm coming out. Amen. Stand up with me. Just for a moment. I'm going to let you sit back down in just a second. But I want you to stand with me just for a second, if you would. I want you, if you would, look, don't get all caught up on the, the speaking. In, you know, people get all wrapped up on the speaking in tongues. Oh, I want to, I don't know, man, if I want to do that. Or I, people, oh, I want to do that. I want to speak in. Look, just get full of the Holy Spirit. The rest of it will take care of itself. Get full of... Don't put any limits on what the Spirit can do in you. Just say, Lord, I just want to be full of you. I want to be full of your Spirit. My dad, for years, man, he wrestled. My dad, he, we were brought up United Methodist. I mean, he fought with this about speaking in tongues. I mean, he, he, wanted, he would go in meetings, get hands laid on him, get prayed for, go back to his seat, go back, come up again, get prayed Go back. He had people gather in a circle around him. He had people lay hands on him. He had people wave their hands over. I mean, all the different things. And he never spoke in tongues. And then the Lord said, stop seeking tongues and just seek me. Just seek to be full of me. He said, you know, Rick, it was the weirdest thing. He said, one day I was driving to work and I was just praising the Lord in my vehicle. And the next thing I knew, I was speaking in a language I didn't even know. Don't get caught up on all the tongue stuff. Just, God, I want more of you. I've had all of what I need, Lord God, but what I really need, Lord, is more of you. I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now, if you would, all over the building. Lord, I need more of you, more of your presence, more of your glory, and Lord, more manifested glory, your anointing. Father, I thank you that, Lord, as we come before you, we can be in communion with you, Lord God. Lord, as we go into this week, Lord God, that we would just be in a divine communion with you in everything that we do, Lord God. That, Father God, that when we go to work, Lord God, we're going as, Lord, as vessels of the Spirit, that you, Lord, will work through us, and, and Lord, that you will guide us to the right people in the right places. Lord, if we're in sales, you'll, you'll guide us to the right people for sales, Lord God, the right business opportunities, Father God, the right people, Lord God, you would have us to deal with. You'll bring, if we go to a restaurant, Lord, you'll put us in the right table with the person that we're going to be talking to, Father God, because you want us to be light to that person and show the love of Christ. Lord, may this week be a week full of communion of the Spirit in our lives. May, Father God, what has become natural now become supernatural so that our supernatural is now just so natural to us, Father as your people. And I thank you for that, Lord God.
Hallelujah. Oh, God. We exalt you in this place, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We exalt you, Lord God. The grace, the presence of who you are. Charlie, let me have you up here just if we could, some of the worship team that's here. Father, we just exalt you. We exalt you. Lord, may you be lifted up in every area of our life, our marriage, our family, our church, our city, our community. Lord God, we exalt you. We exalt you. Get us started out in the right key for we exalt thee, Chuck, if you would. Come on, it's early. Don't disconnect. If you're online, don't disconnect right now. It's not time to move on to the next thing. God's doing something. Lord, we exalt you.